0: Is hashtag authentic a podcast for online creatives? I'm Sarah Tasca, and this is episode twenty-eight. Hi, everybody! It's me on my own this week, digging into a topic. That we've touched upon now and again in a couple of previous episodes, but it's something I see coming up again and again in the groups for the people in my courses, in the comments on my courses, and with women that I mentor. And it's the issue of what do I call myself? So I don't just mean that in that kind of my business is very multifaceted and I don't know where to start kind of way, but really something deeper than that when we're scared to call our work even by its real name. So that might look like saying... I take photos instead of saying I'm a photographer, or I do a bit of writing instead of I'm a writer. Sometimes you might just add a qualifier like I'm an amateur photographer or I'm a fledgling ceramicist or a newbie blogger. Does this sound familiar? And we do these things, right, for the best possible reasons, because we don't want to overstate our abilities and we don't want to mislead anyone or to be false. But on a deeper level, what we're really doing is playing small, just like in that conversation I had with Tara Moore in episode 23 of this season. We're keeping ourselves contained in a neat little box and telling ourselves we need an outward sign before we can do the work we really want to be doing in life. Basically, we're outsourcing our professional validation. So this is damaging in a couple of ways. Firstly, because it creates that I can't mindset. I can't pitch for that job yet. I can't charge for my services. It's a huge factor, I think, in the hundreds of creatives that I see undervaluing and undermining their own work because deep down, they don't really believe that they're there yet. And this, of course, ties in beautifully with all of our imposter syndromes which we talk about a lot more in episode 10 with Sass if you've not already heard that. But basically, it's just so easy to believe that others in our professional field are somehow more clued up or more talented or just better qualified or more worthy than us. So we sit around waiting to feel that way too before we let ourselves take the next step. And on a bigger level, it holds our businesses back too. Because when you don't step up confidently and name your job, you're kind of asking your clients or customers to do it for you so if your bio across all your social media reads takes pictures instead of photographer and i'm using that example because it's something i used to do then you have to rely on other agencies recognizing your talent and taking a punt on you even though by your own admission you're probably not very professional and not really a serious contender so this then leads to you probably being underpaid and we accept that underpay because We don't think we really deserve anything more, and so really quickly you form a self-fulfilling prophecy where that bottom-line fear of I'm not good enough keeps getting unknowingly reinforced. Or, to put it all another way, how can we expect anyone else to believe in us if we don't believe in ourselves? This is actually the same advice I give when I'm teaching people how to write successful pitches. So that could be like to sponsors, or magazines, or customers, or clients... When I first started pitching, I actually had to type in an American accent. That's totally possible, honestly. I just did it in my head because there were so few role models in my very British life for talking positively about ourselves. So I'd think about my US friend Annie, who I used to know online when we were both in our 20s, and her bio on everything used to just read, I'm kind of awesome. And so I would try and feel Like Annie did about herself before I wrote any emails and come from that place of self-confidence and self-belief. I still think about this now. Am I at a place now where I could write I'm kind of awesome in my bio? And of course it was sort of a joke, but also true. Annie was awesome. And you're awesome at lots of the things you do, but we're not very good at owning up to that. When I tell people to call their work by its real title, the biggest fear that I usually hear from people is they're worried what other people will think. So we worry that they might laugh at us, especially the people in our real lives, or that they'll think we've developed delusions of grandeur. Now again, this is a topic we've explored in quite a lot of depth, I think it was episode 24, but the point here is actually really simple. The people in your life just might not get it. So my dad, he's a retired environmental health officer, but he still offers me detailed critique on my compositions and my photography angles. My brother works for a football team's TV channel, but he's told me I take shitty grainy pictures of cups of tea. If I listened to the people in my life, I'd never dare to call myself a photographer, let alone undertake the work that comes with using that name. And yet there's always the other side of it. So since I have called my work by its real name, doors have opened all over the place. I work with the awesome folk at Canon who make the cameras I absolutely love. I'm signed to a big publishing house to write a book that's going to be full of my own photography and my wisdom. I take portraits for brilliant women who are camera shy. I've had my photographs published in countless magazines and I'm being commissioned to speak at conferences and festivals about photography, both DSLR and smartphone, as well as teaching my courses online, helping other people be photographers too. So here's a handy rule for deciding whether someone's opinion of your work or your job title is relevant and this is from the ever brilliant Brené Brown. If you're not in the arena getting your butt kicked too, I'm not interested in your feedback. Isn't that perfect? I say write it out and stick it on your wall somewhere because I certainly have. And truthfully the good people in your life will support you in taking your work and yourself seriously. And those that can't, well, usually it's because they have their own disappointments in life, and you're just reminding them uncomfortably of them. In fact, here's another quote, this time from Mindy Kaling. People get scared when you try to do something, especially when it looks like you're succeeding. People do not get scared when you're failing, it calms them. But when you're winning, it makes them feel like they're losing, or worse yet, that maybe they should have tried to do something too, but now it's too late. And since they didn't, they want to stop you. You can't let them. Finally, if I've still not convinced you yet, here is a really simple question to ask yourself. When does a woman become a mother? Is it when she changes her first nappy or the moment of giving birth? Is it when she feels her baby moving inside of her or when she first holds the child that she signed the adoption paperwork for? Is it at conception? Is it something that women just are in their heart even before the child enters the scene? Whatever you believe, and I'm not saying that there's a right and wrong answer here really, my point is just this, For the most important job in the world, for raising the future of humanity, we don't ask for any qualifications. Nobody says to a new mother or a new father, well, you're not really a parent until they start school. And equally, though many of us might worry about being bad parents, I've yet to read about or meet anyone who lies awake next to their sleeping infant, wondering if they actually count as a mother at all. Once we start the work of parenting, we accept that we're a parent. And the same should be true for all of our creative work. So, call yourself by your professional title. Call your work by its real name. That doesn't mean you think you'll always get it right, because I'm a mother and I screw that up all the time. You're just telling the world and yourself what your passion is and what you're here to create. And then, now you know what to call it, go get to work. Dive into the arena, create the thing that you're telling the world about and don't let anyone else define its worth. I, along with all the other people who are out there making their dreams a reality, will be cheering you on. So that's it for this little episode, but I will be back next week with another interview. And as always, your shares, your reviews, likes and subscribes are a tremendous support to me and this podcast. And they never fail to make me do a little happy dance in my kitchen. You can also find me under me Ola on Twitter and on Instagram if you fancy a chat about any of the things from this episode or previous ones. I hope you have a wonderful week and I'll see you soon.